0: Hello and welcome to the Emperor's New Podcast, where we explore every corner of the Emperor's New Groove universe. Today, I am joined by my first time on the podcast co-host, Kieran McHugh. Hey, how's it going? And we have a very special guest today. He was an animator on some of your favorite Disney movies, including Hercules and Atlantis. He was a director on The Replacements, and he directed the fan short Superman classic. And of course, relevant to this, he was a story artist and reference animator for The Emperor's New School. Please welcome Rob Pratt. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming
1: on. Woo. So how did how did you get your start in animation? You know, it's funny. There's so much in our lives. It's like hard work and luck too, right? Yeah. And so, and there's mm-hmm. bad luck and there's good luck. And you just, you know, you work and try to find the good luck. Um, I was born pretty Humbly, like a single mom, she suffered from mental illness. We were on welfare together, but we were in North Hollywood, and we were just like a stone's throw from the Walt Disney Studio, and that gave me a, a big bullseye to aim for. And I knew from an early age, uh, watching Bugs Bunny cartoons and, and Disney cartoons, I was in, in kindergarten telling friends, when I grow up, I'm going to be an animator at, at Disney. I just uh, clearly knew what I wanted to do, and... You know, like you brought up Superman. I love com- I love comic books too, but that was just one discipline. It was just drawing. Yeah. And when I watched a Bugs Bunny cartoon, it was performance, voice performance, music, uh layout. Um, it was all the uh, all these different arts coming together to create one thing and I knew that was for me. I wanted to be part of that. Um, and so you know, so hard upbringing, but then lucky too that I knew what I wanted to do and I was in the right place to 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 do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So then I, you know, growing up too. So, like I said, we were really poor. So uh, like by the time I knew what CalArts was, there was like, there was no chance that I was going to go there. Forget about it. Um, But, and that's unlucky, but then the lucky part, North Hollywood was right in my hometown of North Hollywood. That's what the headquarters for our union, our cartoonist union. And I would ride my bike past it and I'd see cartoonist union, but I didn't fully know what it was. And then I found out as I got older, oh, that's like the union headquarters. And I see a pamphlet and there's night classes and you, you didn't get a degree. But I found out, oh, you're learning from like Disney animators or whomever that they want to earn a, a few extra bucks. So they'll teach a class at night and they were affordable so I could take those. So I was starting to take take those up, I think, right after high school. Um, I was still on a bike, <laughs> still riding my bike there and going. Nice. You got like an introduction to the industry. They kind of gave you a brief history of, of the industry. And you could, all the different disciplines, like there was a storyboarding module, there's an in-betweening module. And then again, lucky timed right? Because right around this time, you know, Little Mermaid was a huge giant hit. And then Beauty and the Beast was even bigger. And yeah. then Aladdin was even bigger than that. And so they were hiring, you know, they, they, Disney was seeing like, oh, all this success, let's piggyback our productions. Instead of doing one at a time, we can have two going and have a movie every year. So they kind of needed a whole second staff really of people. And so I took um, the in-betweening class and gosh, I, I think my teacher was Ruben Aquino who famously had animated Ursula the sea witch in, in the little mermaid and Ooh. so I was learning from him. And then you would get little inside info, like, what's going on at the studio? Well, we're making a movie called The Lion King, and it's got a villain named Scar, so you can guess what, what's on his face. And, you know, like, so you got a little inside info and like, oh, are they hiring? And well, there's looks like they're going to be hiring a lot of people. So I got really, you know, proficient at in-betweening and started animating my own stuff, even though back then there was no, you know, no down shoot or a computer I could work with. I yeah. was just pretty much yeah. making flip for myself. and um just understanding how in-betweens worked and then i called the studio you know i'm just a kid still and oh i had gotten some freelance i got i just you go to the classes and you meet other friends yeah and a friend of mine was getting work at don bluth which is you know don bluth famously was an animator for disney in the 70s broke off made his own studio Mainly, mainly established in, uh, mainly was set in Ireland, but had a small little studio out here. Where I'm
2: from. Yeah, he's in All
1: right, (laughs) excellent. And so I I got a little bit of freelance on Thumbelina doing in-betweens. And so now I had a little bit of confidence that I kind of knew how it worked a little bit. And I called, I phoned up Disney and I said, hey, I, you know, are you looking for in-betweeners? Because I just worked for Don Bluth. And they said, well, we'd like you to take a test. And I, well, a test, I already have worked for Don Bluth. Isn't that enough? Well, we need to know if the, if you're good enough for Disney. I hung up the phone. I was so intimidated. <laughs> I was scared because I was a kid. And I waited yeah. a few more months and practiced more and more. And then it got confident again. And this time I called knowing that they're going to want me to test. And then they invited me to take a test. And it was an eight-hour test. I took it. And then I got hired on Pocahontas. And the thing I will always kick myself, if I had done it a year earlier i would have been on lion king you oh, know man. i would have been a yeah. great claim to fame and i blew it i missed it um Dude. but you learn from that you, you learn don't let opportunities go by and don't just think that the bus is going to come you know if you miss this bus you'll get catch the next one you gotta um you know seize every opportunity
0: and of course i remember at the time i mean not I wasn't born yet, but I remember from, you know, learning about it at the time, um, that because I was born in ninety four, so I was born right when Lion King came out. Mm-hmm. I remember well shortly after. I remember that Lion they thought Lion King was gonna be the little film and Pocahontas was gonna be the big film.
1: That's right, because you know, Glenn Keane was like the the superstar at the studio, and I think everybody wanted to be with Glenn Keane on his project. Yeah, and you know, Lion King had superstars on it too, but Glenn was just so—I mean, come—he had just animated Ariel and the Beast, and I think that's where everybody thought you know that was the place to be. Yeah. And then Lion King could kind of go a little bit under the under the radar, yeah. and yeah. ends up being the, <laughs> the the biggest 2D movie they and, ever did, and,
0: and it's probably aged a bit better.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. It's hard to beat talking animals, right? So talking lions is is pretty cool, pretty
2: much. Yeah. To jump in real quick, because uh, you bring up, like, you started out as, like, uh, an in-betweener artist. Um, as a novice who doesn't know the inner machinations of animation, but is just, like, you know, very basic, and I like how the drawings move, you know? Um, yeah.
1: How does the in-betweening process work? Right. Yeah. For So for hand-drawn animation, right, it's a very tedious process, and it's kind of established since the uh, advent of motion pictures that it's 24 frames to make one second of movement. So mm. if you want fluid movement, you have to make 24 drawings. So, and there are little cheats. Sometimes you can hold a drawing longer. Sometimes, Sometimes you can expose you a drawing. to uh, You expose it for two frames, exactly. Yeah. And then you're on twos. But if you want to do full Disney, luscious, beautiful animation, uh, a lot of times it's 24 drawings for that one second. So the animator will draw the main poses that will describe the movement and the performance, but maybe you know not do every single drawing. Some, sometimes the drawings are close together and they can already see that the performance is gonna work. And so mm. once the animator has done all that hard work of I figured out the performance, but I've only done half of the drawings, I can hand this to an assistant or an in-betweener. It's funny that it's <laughs> that antiquated name to do the in-between drawings. So you get these drawings mm. from the animator and they'd be little charts where this is drawing one and then this is drawing five, but I want a drawing three to go in the middle. We're going to be on twos and it'll go one, three. They'd have little charts for you to read. And then you'd have to put a pose, you know. Uh, you know, if it's a walk and the, the foot's in the air, but on the next drawing, the foot's on the ground. You have to do the pose in the middle that will make those two that that movement connect. And and then you learn from the animator, you kind of, if you're if you love this stuff, and I do. Um, and I maybe growing up poor benefited me because I was so hungry for knowledge. Um, I would stay late. I lived at the studio. The studio was better than my crummy apartment anyways. And <laughs> I would study these charts, what is going in, the thinking. There'd be an exposure sheet back then where you'd have lined paper and each line represents a frame of film. And you would see how it's timed, uh, how the drawings that are already completed are filled out on that sheet. And then you fill out the missing ones once you've added them. I was just like studying, studying, studying. Um, because maybe I learned from that missed opportunity on Lion King. Like I'm in here now. I and I don't know how long this is gonna last. I make every foresee- moment last. Yes. I didn't get a college degree, but if I can get out of here with a degree of Disney animator, that would be kind of cool. And um, I didn't foresee CG coming and wiping us out in a few years, but I thought even then. These things go in waves. I don't know how long these are going to be popular and how long they're going to keep doing two at a time. Maybe they'll scale back to one at a time. I've got to get my title in this in this whatever window I have.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Some of your films that you worked on um include Tarzan. I believe you worked on Hercules. Yes. And Atlantis as well. What was mm-hmm. it like working
1: on those? I, man, I tell you, it was just heaven. I I wanted to do it for the next 80 years if they would have let me. It was just great. It, the emphasis was on quality. How do you make this better? Always looking at better. And if there was any rivalry between artists, it was friendly. You wanted, we looked at each other's work and you never, you didn't get jealous. Yeah. You got inspired and you wanted to like, oh, well, look at what they're doing. I want to do better. I want to do better. And it was always better, better, better. And the movies were doing well. There was always... I mean, the the work itself was rewarding, but then the success there'd be like, oh, Pocahontas broke a hundred million us party, you know, there'd be parties (laughs) and it was fun. And, um, you're surrounded by like-minded folks. Everybody there wanted to be there since they were a little kid, basically. And now we're all together and gosh, you know, my time at feature, at least I'm still with the company, but Mm -hmm. my time at feature ended in, in 2003 after home on the range that's 20 years ago. I still run into these animators and we talk like no time has ever passed. It's like having another extended family. We really bonded over the experience and we all loved it so much. It was painful when it ended, Um, but it was really just like, and and, and at that time too, especially, you know, imagine being on Pocahontas. I missed Katzenberg by one month. He had left and, and started DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen just a month before I started. And i would hear about you know katzenberg and how he ran it but they hadn't put put out a film yet pixar hadn't put out toy story yet so you were undoubtedly the king of the mountain when you were at disney feature at that time not no question and so um i even remember you know i'd go to I, i when i went to orientation my my first time walking on that main lot this historic main lot and it wasn't just the first time i was walking on the disney main lot it was the first time i wasn't poor anymore and I they put they they gave you the whole history of the company and the pillars of the company and and what it means to be there. And then I remember having lunch with some of the folks that were kind of like maybe they were getting hired for more finance jobs, maybe not art art necessarily. Yeah. And they were a little cynical and they were kind of laughing at the presentation of getting pixie dust poured on us. <laughs> but I at the table, I went, no, like this is the best place in the whole world. I mean, this is where they made Snow White, Mickey Mouse. These are Things that people all over the whole world, you could go in the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. And if you're wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt, they would know who that is. This is amazing. And I kind of inspired the whole table around me. They all started like going, Wow, you you know, you're right. It's a really cool place. Um, So I just loved it. And I never wanted to leave. I bought my animation desk, um, you know, on my way out the door because I wanted to hold on to that desk. And I, I, you know, I still animate on it and still work on it. It was just, it's just like a uh it's a hard thing to describe. It was just so so incredible.
2: You had to um, be there, pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel so fortunate that again, like I maybe that this will be the theme to the interview. I don't know, but the, the, there's bad luck and good luck, and it's sad that it ended. But I'm also so lucky at my age that I got to get a little piece of rolling the drawings between my fingers and drawing that tactile animation yeah. and yet when it all switched to digital i was young enough that i could adapt i think had i been 10 years older it might have been hard to adapt yeah and had i been 10 years younger i would have never gotten that feeling of rolling drawings and yeah. drawing with a pencil and i rem- I remember bringing my sister for a tour of it and we just we noticed how quiet it was and we listened and we could hear everybody in their cubicles rolling the drawings it was awesome it was just the it was just the greatest and if for a while if I wore a crew jacket like Tar or Hercules crew jacket out of Market people would ask for my autograph it was like getting treated like a movie star it was just so great and just the huge effort and seeing it come together I, I'm so proud of the movies they they look so beautiful and sometimes you know I'll let a year or two slip and I won't see it and then Gosh, it was before Disney Plus. It's probably five or six years ago. Um, Netflix was airing um, Atlantis, and I hadn't watched it in a while. And the studio was kind of down on that movie when it came out. So, yeah, in, in our in our hearts, we weren't thinking it was this great thing. And I'm like, oh, I haven't watched it in a while. I put it on. I went, Oh my god, no! This thing is awesome. It's just so great. I think just the bar was so high and the expe- expectations were so high that people were maybe let down yeah. by that one. Yeah. but boy, the quality is there. It's really good, and Michael and J. Fox a lot is of so those... great.
0: Yeah. A lot of those two thousands movies, they really just didn't know how to market them.
2: Treasure Planet, poor victim of like timing, like wise, because you know they put it out the same time they had the first Harry
0: Potter and yeah. like I think Santa it was Claus Two Potter. But was it the second? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I I have a weird thing. I remember years of movies coming out, so yeah, I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. it was the, the same first here, one same came here. out in two thousand one, and the second one came out in two
1: thousand two. I think we were all at least we were all Mm. we were all kind of seeing the writing of the wall too once Toy Story came out you know and then Harry Potter was a behemoth right um yeah but we all we all kind of knew um yeah maybe the excitement for what we were doing was was waning you know kind of like kind of like I said I knew what happened eventually but I didn't know it was going to be a CG thing that that helped it along um yeah yeah at the same
2: time I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say they when Toy Story was done, they showed it at at the Disney studio for us. And I can't remember which friend of mine it was. We walked out of the theater and my friend said, well, we'll all be out of work. And I was like, no, it looks it looks different enough. It's like a different thing. It's it, if anything, stop motion has gone, but they'll still want moving drawings. There, man, there was another it was live action at the time
0: the, the, combined with CGI a couple years earlier, a movie that you all may have heard of that would have been perfect for someone to say that and then someone else respond don't you mean extinct <laughs> oh <laughs>
2: right. my god yeah. because
0: I think Jurassic Park really also paved the way even though you know at the time no one when Jurassic Park came out I don't think many people besides the people at Pixar who were working on Toy Story probably really hmm. thought of the idea of an entire movie that's computer animation but like
1: there was only like a year in between a year in between them, yeah so it was like then- much, yeah. And then maybe even the bigger eye-opening thing is... This is, again, I love history. I'm wearing my Indiana Jones shirt. I love it because I love I history. I noticed, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, history is fascinating and it's good to know history because then you can kind of chart where things are going. But his- historically, with animation, it was always a losing proposition. Hardly anybody ever made money off of animation. There's yeah. so... It's so labor-intensive. It takes forever to make. That's why you have to sell toys because it's just... It costs so much to make a movie. It's hard to recoup. So historically... Really, only the Disney Studio could have repeated success, and other studios, which are, Don Bluth had a few, but you know, but soon mm-hmm. you know couldn't keep it up. The Fleischer's went out of business trying to do fe- features, so it, it's really like a losing proposition for everybody except Disney. And so then, when when Toy Story came out, you're like, well, that's a huge big hit, but probably only Pixar can do it. But then when yeah. Shrek came out, and that was a huge hit. Oh, okay, another studio can do it. Oh, and then yeah. Ice Age came out. Oh, a third studio can do it. This it, is a different animal. you know, And they're,
2: by they're, the time 2D animation was, like, almost on the way out, then Illumination came in with the spec with me. It's like, God, how many more of these are going to show up? <laughs>
0: like, well, you know, yeah. now just not anybody can do it. But, like, there's... And, you know, what I was going to say is as an animator, an indie animator in general the, the advance of the internet and everything allows people to connect more and learn more and now all sort both independent and studio animation is pretty much everywhere of all sorts of yeah. kinds and i think that's really cool
1: that is Absolutely. exciting i you know there was a corny car commercial but i loved it by i think cadillac that said the greatest things start in a garage Walt Disney started in a garage and it showed Kingswell Avenue. Apple started in a garage. It showed it that garage. The Ramones started in a garage. And it's like, they make a good point. It's those independent small groups that make like the really cool creative stuff. Um, Disney Plus just had that um, documentary series on Light and Magic. You know, George Lucas creating that company. It's just like a handful of people, super creative in a small area. It's not corporate yet. And that's where all the creative, awesome stuff gets done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, as a fan of, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's, like, the exact same thing with, like, Eastman and Laird were just, like, making comic books about, like, whatever it is they liked and incorporating these wacky characters into it. And, like, it wasn't corporate. It wasn't, like... It was underground, right? It was underground. It was, like, an independent comic book. And it, like, started, like, a huge boom um yeah. in terms of like indie comics because back then like sorry to go off on a tangent about Ninja Turtles but <laughs> I, guess, yeah, we I go on candidates just... all the time on
0: the podcast oh yeah, yeah but like what is
2: it <laughs> like the when it came to comic books at the time like you either had to work with Marvel and D or DC or Dark Horse and when you would make a character for them the company owned the character like yeah. you didn't yeah. really get much credit for it Whereas here were these two guys just chilling in an apartment one evening, like drawing turtles with nunchucks strapped to their like legs. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, it's a ninja turtle. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's turn this into a story. And it became a huge success. And now it's yeah. like a huge global franchise with a brand new movie uh, just that out. That's a great and movie
1: too. That's awesome. Excellent I- movie. Yeah. I hope we're all, you know, there's like some cool stuff being made in small places right now that we just haven't seen yet that are going to just blow blow our minds. Uh,
0: I hope some of that stuff is being made by me. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's the spirit. I hope to be a part to. of some of that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's the spirit. We got to do it. Um Did you have any more any another question you wanted to ask uh Kiran? Uh yeah, actually I did have another one because
2: um I was curious Cause looking through um, was it Rob, your IMDB credits, specifically like on character animation? Like um, it mentioned like you animated for Kerchak on Tarzan and yeah. Milo on Atlantis The Lost Empire, uh, Mrs. Callaway on Home on the Wage. I was yeah. curious, how do animators get assigned what shots they work on or like what characters they're assigned? Is it like just a situation of the animators pick out like, oh, I want to do that character or I want to do that shot looking over the script. Or is it just the animation director is like, OK, you do this one shot
1: of Ariel or so on? Well, yeah, it is a team sport, right? And and um, whenever one of our productions ended, we had to submit our reels again and we called it the baseball trades. And if there was mm. two shows that were staffing up all the kind of like casting an actor, they would cast the lead anim- Like the directors would get the gig. And so now they're staffing, and they'd go, "Oh, Phil Octides! Oh my God, Eric Goldberg would kill it as, as Phil Octides." Hmm. So they would kind of cast the lead animators, yeah. and then those leads then would pick their teams based on footage, right? So it's fun to. What, one thing that was great about being on Kerchak, he doesn't have all the footage that Jane or Tarzan has, much less footage. So it's only three yes. fellas on that that character, and you really feel like, "Wow, I'm one third, kind of one third of it." Bruce Smith is the lead, and he's. <laughs> I <laughs> he's more than a third uh, just him but you felt like you're part of a smaller team what was great when I first got hired I was still in cleanup where, where you're not um, animating the performance you're cleaning up the drawings yeah. um, but I, I knew how to do the thick and thin line and I got on the other side on the cleanup side they put me on Pocahontas because Pocahontas was the lead character and, and required the largest team And could probably absorb a newbie like me because they, you know, it had probably 20, 25 people just cleaning her up, not not even just the rough, you know, counting the rough animation. Yeah. But so everybody cast that way. They would look at portfolios and they, if they called it baseball trades, they probably were taking turns picking. I'm not sure I wasn't in those meetings, but um, that's kind of how it is. And then so your lead is in charge of that character, and that's one thing that was awesome too you're working at disney these characters are very complex they're very difficult to draw and you need to squash and stretch them and you need to show them from every angle so you got to you you just had to master the one character you could really and even then it was difficult and so the lead animator would would then meet with the the director of the movie they'd look over the um reel and the shots and then they would cast like okay well, Rob's kind of new. Let, uh, let's give him where Kerchak's tiny on screen, <laughs> and, you know, and then <laughs> they they would cast, you know, where they thought you could succeed, and um, that's kind of how it works or, or or worked. And then it was funny because I say the characters are so hard to draw. You would draw for a year, and then the movie was done, and by then you're like, all right, I know how to draw Hercules now. Let's go, you know, like oh, it's <laughs> that's, over. That's you know, what.
0: Just... That's what what they all definitely definitely the story I've heard from. Both animators I've interviewed and watching uh, documentaries on animation. Both uh, Tony Bancroft, in an interview I did, and I recently also revisited, uh, got to catch up with him and watch Once Upon a Studio for the podcast. Yeah, Um, I
2: listened to some of that.
0: He he, uh, said that, well, now I really know who Kronk is if they wanted me to do the character again. And unfortunately, he was disappointed that Kronk is in Once Upon a Studio, but for some reason they didn't... Assigned Tony Bancroft to him.
1: And uh, I don't know why. Ah, well, um, that's a shame. I don't. But know I either. also
0: remember in the sweat box Andreas Deja, which is kind of a sad thing because he's talking about this version of the film that he didn't end up making. He didn't because he laughed, mm. um, saying, "And then once, once you're done with the movie and you put the pencil down, that's when you really feel like you could begin." <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah, definitely a yeah. very common feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's funny.
0: Um. And of course, even though you did not uh, work on the movie because you were working on those other other movies at the time, you got to do storyboards and some reference animation for *The Emperor's New School*.
1: Yeah, nice. yeah, and and um, and if you do want to talk about um, *Emperor's New Groove*, I was on the periphery. I was on *Atlantis*. My, well, I have friends that were on it, and I could go to the screenings and hear everything. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I didn't get a piece of that movie. But then I got a second chance um when 2D kind of got uh, shifted away from the studio. Because that's the nicest way to say it. i had to uh, reinvent myself and i got into story and um but not story at feature i you know that everybody all the animators were getting laid off and a lot of them were trying to get into the the what few remaining story positions they were and i just couldn't get in there um but i did go to television and and in a way maybe that was better for me because the the pace of tv is fast and you learn fast because um in features you'll board the same sequence get notes Go board that sequence, get notes, board that sequence. And, and depending on how the notes go or how the writing goes, you could be on a sequence for months in television. Every six weeks, you got a new episode and it's like, Oh, I screwed that one up, but Oh, I'll just be better on the next one. You, you, you just learn faster. Yeah. And um, one thing that was great is the producers on emperor's new school knew that I was coming over from feature and they treated me like a prince. You know, they were really wonderful to me. And, um, so I got to board on that. And then they would ask for, oh, can you, uh, for the opening title sequence, can you fit in like doing some animation? Yeah, that'd be a pleasure. And I got the style of movement. I, you know, I grew up probably more on Bugs Bunny than I did on um, Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes more than I did on Disney and his kind of more of a Looney Tunes kind of movement. Yeah. So I, I, I love doing that. And it was a lot of dances, which I can't, it's funny. I can't dance, but then I became like the dance guy in TV. Cause you know, I dance. I, Animated the hot dog dances for Mickey Mouse Clubhouse too. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. It, it, oh it, my god, also. that's awesome. That was one of my favorite assignments. And what was funny is that we need we need five dances from all of them. We need them this week. I, 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 I gotta do one a day, pretty much. Then is there reference? No, you gotta make up what they do. Like so I had to I one day for each one of them to make a cycle. Um, so they're real simple dances, but it was but it was super fun. Yeah. But that also was coming from you know also doing um you know doing that stuff on Emperor's New School, uh, New School. If every time he had to dance, that was difficult. Like, oh my god, he did that breakdance move where you put the palm on the ground and you spin around your palm yeah. and yeah, and and then and then go on the other palm. And oh my yeah. god, that was really hard. I had to watch videos and do it, but I would get those kind of assignments for um for that for TV show, which was kind of rare because most of the animation was done at an outsourced studio. Yep. Hmm, yeah but I was so you know I love this stuff so much so I would do my storyboards my six-week assignment and then if they needed animation I'd go okay, all right I'll do it I'll, I'll work overtime I'll work on the weekends and I'll work at night because I just love this stuff so much this is a question I always ask
0: and generally the answer is usually the same but I figured I'd ask anyways do you have any episodes you remember working on that particularly stick out to you of the emperor's new school
1: you know it's been some time and it yep. it, it it it's like a a blink of an eye, you know? Um, yeah. Gosh, on that show, mm, there was one challenge, and I, I kind of failed in a way, where the studio and the creators of the show were going back and forth with each other. Uh, the the showrunners had run many shows, kind of knew the process of outsourced animation, and would get frustrated. So they would stage things simply they kind of i kind of nicknamed it peanut staged which yeah. is kind of like <laughs> charles schultz peanut's comic strip where everything's just flat yeah. even if they were to hold a plate they'd want it held flat and yeah. and they didn't want any dimension because mm. i think i think they were tired of it not coming out the way they wanted revisions so they just said let's just make it simple yeah but then the studio would see it and go no this is based on the feature we want it to have depth we want it to look like staged cinematically so then i got a an assignment where i'm like they're telling me okay rob they want it cinematically so do it cinematically i did it cinematically and then they looked at the boards and they said no we want it flat like we want and i'm like (laughs) what don't i i who do i listen to yeah and i was a bad boy i didn't want to redo it and i didn't do it and i turned it in and yeah now that i'm older i see that that was very disrespectful and um, now that I'm in a position where people work for me, had somebody done that to me, I would be very upset with them. And so years went by and I did um, apologize to that director later. And I said, you know, I was young and dumb and I I thought I knew better and I shouldn't have done that. That was disrespectful. I'm I'm very sorry. I hope you're going to accept my apology. and Always good we've even gone to a hockey game together and the guy's awesome <laughs> um that's the that's the kind of the experience that i that sticks out for me the most more than more than an episode i'm sorry it, I, you know it's okay um yeah no worries
0: um yeah i really i got to for my documentary i got to interview uh bob scanaway the executive producer and he was really yeah. fun to talk to
1: yeah yeah, he had written the show. You know, like when you pitch a yeah, show, I, I've seen it. That he wrote it <laughs> yeah. in in Cusco's voice, yeah, he sent right? It to me, yeah. And yeah, I, it's, I used it's really some pretty of it great documentary. Yeah, it's it's nice. fun to read because you can hear David Spade in your head as you're reading yeah. it. Kieran, do you have? I'm
0: trying um, to go back and forth between us to make it more interesting.
2: No, yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. You're good. Um, at this point, I just kind of want to gush about some of the other credits that Rob has, like because um, you mentioned, like obviously growing up more with Looney Tunes uh, than you did Disney. You yeah. were one of the animators on Looney Tunes Back in Action, which I'm so I'm, I have to say yeah. underrated movie. Like, yeah, I, I
0: think it's pretty good. It deserves. Yeah, like, I, that was I kind don't of a... think I've seen that the whole way through, but I need to. But my favorite part from that movie is the part where uh, Shaggy is berating Matthew Lillard. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, as a Scooby Doo nut, like it's like a hilarious moment, especially because we'll also, like the whole if you goof on me in the sequel, I'm coming after you. But and, it, like, what, what, what is makes it so the way, funny so. is
0: it's a joke that feels more relevant now than it did back then.
2: Yeah, because Matthew is now voicing Shaggy full time. Yeah, and so.
0: also there's all these live action, just live actioning everything.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I just. Well, what's super fun about that shot, I remember that. That's my good friend, uh, Jim Baker. He's one of my dear friends. Now we've known each other all these years. He got that shot. And, you know, the whole thing is we're working for the animation directors, Eric Goldberg. I mean, come on, the guy that animated the genie. One of the greatest animators that ever lived. And we're all doing.
0: And he led the animation on Once Upon a Studio as well. Heck yeah. Yeah. He's one of the only original Animators yeah. that's still there for two. One of the
1: greatest animators that has ever lived. He's fantastic. So we're all working for Eric. We're trying to make fluid movement, probably more fluid than than the Looney Tunes actually were. When you watch them, they can get they can be a little clunky yeah. in a beautiful, yeah. en- energetic way. We were probably making it a maybe too polished, which is fine. But then the assignment for that um, Shaggy scene was you know you got to make it like limited animation. You got to make yeah. it look cheap. Yeah. You (laughs) got to give it that Hanna
2: Barbera vibe. Yeah.
1: Held cell and, and, um, and poses that just kind of go back and forth and evenly timed instead of being interestingly timed. And, um, I remember, you know, we were all laughing while he was working on it and then he had to show Eric and we were all kind of over his shoulder and Eric went, this looks awful. Approved. (laughs) You know, like that, (laughs) because that's what we were going for. You know, it was great. Um, that scene's so fun, but yeah, that, that, um, that movie, I you know, I I I like it. I know a lot of people beat up on it. It's easy to, it's hard to translate the Looney Tunes characters into a, a long story well, like it's that. it's definitely but, a movie that yeah. has much
0: more of a following, uh, a very more vocal cult following now than it did when it first came out. Because I see people talking yeah. about how much better that movie is than Space Jam all the time now. <laughs> That's to what be completely honest,
2: I'm on that side. I do enjoy Back in Action more than Space Jam. Like just because I grew up with it a well, little Space more GM's than I did just Space Jam. Just a commercial. It is just a commercial, a little bit, yeah. It's Hell, good. It's, to, it started as a commercial, like
1: it did, it did. Um, but what's great is that, you know, you if you work on something that's quality, even if it doesn't find its audience right away, you have a chance to to get them later. Because, like I said earlier, Atlantis, the studio was not happy with that movie; they were not behind that. And then and years go by, and I go to comic cons now. I see Princess Kida cosplayers all the time, and Milo, and it, it seems like it has its yep. you know, it found its audience because it's because it is good. And same thing with Back in Action. And one thing that was, you know, that was a painful time. That was right when we were all getting let, we all got let go from Disney. And we'd all been together for such a long yeah. time. So funny that Eric goes over to, to be the director and he hires us all. So really, when you watch Back in Action, it's pretty much animated by Disney. It's just, it's <laughs> all of us. Just we moved into a different <laughs> building. But it's all the same people that we're animating on, all. you know, you know Emperor's New Groove and, and you know. Yeah. All all, the Hercules and Tarzan, it's the same animators, basically.
2: Yeah, and also, like, you brought up, like, uh, missing your shot at being on Lion King. You did get a chance to be a part of Lion King 3, though, as an animator as well. Or as we call it here, one and a half. One and a half. It's called New S.
1: (laughs) That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is one of my favorite of the uh,
0: direct-to-video sequels. Or yeah, I had
1: a fun take, a, a different take and it was fun, right? The movie yeah. within the movie. And that was, you know, me just trying to hold on. I love Disney. I love this company. You know, we it it's just celebrated its 100th anniversary on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: it really is. Incidentally, Monday it's... was also my mom's birthday, but she's not 100.
1: <laughs> okay, and it's, you know, it's my mom's death day. That's that's a big day. Oh. Um, and it
2: was the day before my birthday. So
1: Wow, something going on in the universe.
2: Yeah. But we all yeah, celebrated it's a very
1: it. odd week. And, and of course, it's time for reflection when you're you're celebrating 100 years of the company. And it in 100 years, it's going to go up and down and, and have its high points and low points. But really, mm. the, it, it's the company that made Disneyland. I love Disneyland. And animation. It's my favorite company that's ever been created. I love this company. Um, so that Lion King one and a half, this is after the heartbreak of all of us getting let go. three hundred Like some 300 of us getting let go that, mm. that drew with the pencil. And, you know, we all were going, you know some were going to the Simpsons, some were going into computer. We were all yeah. spreading out and not being with each other anymore. And um, I was lucky enough to go to, you know, it was Disney tune studios. They were mm-hmm. doing the sequels yeah. and thank goodness somebody threw some work at me. It wasn't like steady work, like like the Disney feature gig was. It yeah. was like we need help for six months because they would animate those, you know, at, at overseas studios. Yeah, I and think then Lion just, King ones were done in Australia. Sorry. Australia. That's right. Yeah. And they were, boy, they were getting better and better with each movie. Their animation was getting really good. Yeah. But, um, in LA, just to have a little bit of quality control, if there were scenes that were problematic or challenging, um, the crews there were maybe not as seasoned, they would have maybe four or five of us. And, uh, and I was lucky to, to, to get that gig. But again, it was pretty short, you know, just a a few months. Um, Mm. and then, you know, after being, I think I had a good like nine year run at feature, not seeing a day of unemployment. And then it was a few, you know, it was a couple of years of four months here, six months there, two months here. And um, that's what that Lion King one and a half was like. But I I was happy to to be on, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm certainly hoping that like, after Once Upon a Studio came out, like I feel like everyone's pining for a bit of 2D animation again, just because it was just so nice to see everyone show up again. Like even like down to like their little details, like the sort of scratchy era characters like Baloo and like Mowgli all still having like their line work in it. Like the commitment to the style of every film is like the attention to detail is just I think
0: the Tiana series, it's being done in Vancouver because they have a new a new WD, a new Walt Disney Animation Studios studio there. Mm. um is going to be traditionally animated which i i mean good because the movie was <laughs> and
1: it better be yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's I being gosh. animated
0: by you know people who are, at least were trained by people who worked at it. it's done by feature animation basically but a different division of feature animation yeah, yeah
1: yeah i'll be curious how how it comes out of course i'm going to tune in yeah. um and always hoping to you know this is a, a sounds corny. I have a lot of corny things that I think about. But I, you know, when you're a kid, you believe in magic, and you grow up and you learn magic's not real. But to me, seeing a a drawing that's alive, that's still like magic to me, a drawing that can move somebody emotionally, Mm -hmm. whether they laugh or cry, like the classic, that's what an entertainer wants to make you do laugh or cry, Uh, a draw a series of drawings that can make you that committed. And now we have YouTube, there's YouTube videos of dogs. Watching Mufasa die and the dogs are getting yeah. by it. Oh yeah. my like, god! What? <laughs> How amazing is that? For, that's a magic trick. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, oh yeah. Animate like, and that's why also why it's so important to me that people are you know doing these things. People, they you know, right now lots of problems going on with AI and people worrying about it. <laughs> oh, but people yeah. are what make these characters alive. The artists, the voice actors, the animators. I do they think there put, is
1: something to tactile art, you know, they where put the
0: human, the humanity into it,
1: and that's what yeah. makes it come to life. I one hundred percent agree. I don't think agree. a machine
0: can do that.
1: And CGI, obviously, CGI is awesome, and you can do whatever you want, and the control you have, and how you can yeah. refine as you go. But there is something I mentioned that that Industrial Light and Magic documentary. There is something cool about when you watch the old Star Wars, and those are models that really explode. Yes. Or you know that that shot where R two and three PO are leaving with out of the escape pod and it's it's a model that was dropped into a black <laughs> <laughs> sheet you know it's just gravity pulling like they had to problem solve and it's you, you feel like you can reach in and grab it and I think the audience has a, a connection to that human. I aspect I wonder to if it. that inspired the the
0: the rise
1: of the resistance ending, if that
0: scene inspired that where you right. it.
2: I like to think, yeah, yeah,
0: maybe, huh. So I still hopefully... haven't been
1: on that. I need to. go Okay, when I get to see it, it is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I haven't
2: it's... been to Florida since I think 2014. Yeah. Last I checked, so I, a I lot has changed.
0: Florida. Last I went to yeah. Florida was right before uh, Star Wars Land first opened, and it didn't have that when it first opened. And it was only hmm. at An- I was only visiting Animal Kingdom because we couldn't only visit one park, and we wanted to do the new Avatar stuff because we hadn't been on yeah. it. Yeah. And the last yeah. time, and so far only time I've been to Disneyland uh was in january 2018 okay. mm. which was Did really you neat to the... get to go there and see all the how small much smaller and different it was small and getting and to ride have...
1: indiana jones i was gonna say we have the indiana jones adventure here and that's my favorite ride that yeah. thing's great it feels like you're inside an indiana jones adventure yeah. like you're really there and that's what that rise of the resistance does too it puts you in a star wars adventure yeah that's the, Maybe that's not the Star the Wars adventure
2: that most people like, because you know people obviously have their opinions about the sequel trilogy. But I mean, I <laughs> yeah, enjoy whatever Star Wars you like. Just you know, don't be mean <laughs> to
0: people about it. it <laughs> right. I don't really care if like it's a ride. If I'm in it to have fun, I don't care if it's based on something that's my preference or not. <laughs> Honestly, oh,
1: yeah. yeah, as long as it's fun.
0: I think I no matter that how that's... you
1: feel about the disney star wars it's undeniable the ride itself is great yeah. whether you yeah. like the movies or not the, the ride's pretty amazing yeah and you know i was saying that the pillars of disney you know, it was always like family quality innovation and boy that ride is innovative that's you yeah. know that's what makes the ride so great it's new kind of stuff it's a mixture of different technologies yeah. It's it's really pretty incredible it's
0: my favorite way to innovate by just combining a bunch of things basically into a new thing yeah
1: yeah i guess it's a
0: transformative ride i guess you could call it in a way because it takes you know the dark ride and the multiple motion simulators but the pre-show is kind of a motion simulator and also the drop at the end is part motion simulator part drop Mm -hmm. tower.
1: then there's some practical effects in there and yeah
2: they get you to get off the ride vehicle in the middle of the ride, which I find very fascinating.
1: Yeah, cool. yeah. It's neat.
0: Um, What else?
1: I'm sure you probably heard all the stories about the first incarnation of Emperor's New Groove, right? Oh, yes. Kingdom uh, yes. in the Sun. Yeah.
0: You can talk about it anyways. I'm always happy to hear, hear about it again or more about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, gosh, if I can offer any kind of new perspective, I'm sure you've heard a lot about it. But, um, you know, just just being there, we were all, you know, even if you weren't on that movie, you got to go to the screenings. Um, One thing that was awesome and for me, who loves to learn all of our we, we, we all had a down shooter and a computer in our office, but it was also connected to a network. And you could go into any folder you wanted to and like, oh, I want to see what Glenn Keane's animating. I'll go into Glenn's folder and, and then you could learn. So I was looking at all the folders on Emperor's New Groove. And then um, for the screening of of uh, Kingdom in the Sun, you could like borrow the videotape, you know, back with this VHS. I want to borrow the video. I want to watch it, you know. And so I watched it and it's, it's really, you know, so different. And it's funny to think of in this day and age, but the voice on it was Owen Wilson. And I didn't know who he was yet. Like now he's like a super duper star, but I had not heard his voice. And at, at first listen, I thought that's kind of an odd voice. I don't know if that's a best, the best voice to animate to. And then look, he's like (laughs) lightning McQueen. And now he's a car. Yeah. so It was a a weird experience watching it. And then, you know, the story was pretty much Prince and the Popper, but, but he does have a bit of a weird
0: twang for, uh, peasant in the Inca empire but then again the majority of the cast was white so
1: yeah well and then it's just like um animation performances you know it's like that like the disney book tell, uh, the illusion of life it's always exaggerating things yeah if somebody's mm-hmm. gonna jump they don't jump like a real person they really leap they really cushion and the same the same goes for voice performance if you were to speak yeah. like a, a regular actor it, it comes ca- across as kind of flat yeah. I, I i've seen yes. really great um, on-screen actors come into the booth and they give flat performance and I'm talking like Disney gets big names I, and I don't want to put anybody on the uh, you know well, bust I know anybody.
0: that uh, of course, yeah they were getting not the they weren't getting the performance they wanted out of David Spade and when they were doing Groove. so they told him they were filming him the, at, the entire time and, <laughs> and then they got it yeah that's how they got him to actually Smart. act
1: the way they wanted him to yeah and I, so think, I think probably yeah. Owen pr- Owen probably did get better too. Yeah. But at least in the screening I heard yeah everything was just kind of low and small and well, it wasn't think, really big and it it, yeah. it wasn't like big oh. performance. Yeah, 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 it wasn't Things like were yeah.
0: differently here in the Inca Empire.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very kind of low key. Um but then like <laughs> yeah, low, low key. key. <laughs> low key. Two low key. key
2: references back to back. I love it. <laughs>
1: But I think he le- He probably learned from that because then when he got Lightning McQueen, yeah. it is a much more amped up performance. Yeah, and I think
0: mm-hmm. when you're like a celebrity who isn't used to doing voice work, it's kind of you don't exactly realize that, oh, it's basically just acting. You know, you're still acting. You're still performing. Um, yeah. You aren't just doing you speaking into a microphone,
1: basically, or doing. Yeah. A yeah. Voice. And there's a theatricality, theatricality to it. You're you're yeah. you're it's not realism. Uh, realism comes across like i said flat it's it's got to be the greatest
0: the greatest example of like how to really and it's from a celebrity as well of like really throwing yourself into a role and showing the
1: acting is robin williams as the genie yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and even uh, him you know i at least this is just my opinion now it's as good as anybody else's in the room but um robin williams you know did a uh, fern goalie beat disney to the punch and they used robin williams as the bat yeah. yeah and yet it's not as good as the genie like they they, they figured out robin and i i, I think i'm guessing here uh, even in movies robin's career wasn't wasn't exploding until like i think probably good morning vietnam was a big one because hmm. they they let him know like okay look we got robin williams let him do his thing let him improvise and then and then we'll just keep the cameras rolling and i'm guessing that's what they figured out on aladdin that they didn't on fern Gully. like just yeah. let the guy loose and 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 they have all that, you know, audio. And then that's what's great. They they reuse some of the audio on that, you know, once, a t- once upon a yep. studio. And they got recently. permission
0: from his estate, which was the most important thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. know that yeah. Robin Williams had a very rocky relationship with Disney. So
1: Right. Yeah. 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 A lot of that comes down to, you know, points and stuff. Because when I was a kid, before Robin Williams, when Disney got big name actors, they were, you know, not probably in their prime anymore. Their prime money taking prime so they'd get Mm -hmm. actors that you'd heard of but they weren't like superstars at the time and then they'd work for scale you know a union Mm. scale and then when they got robin williams wow like but we got like somebody that's like in their prime like they're at their top of their game that was huge and then the movie was big and i think a lot of stars it opened their eyes like oh it's 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 not a bad thing to do a disney cartoon it's kind of cool so now disney's swinging for the fences and trying to get like big names. So when we were on Hercules, all the artwork of Hades was drawn like Jack Nicholson. They were like, we're going to get Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and he came to oh the my studio God. with his little girl holding his hand and the little girl was in a Snow White Halloween costume. So we're like, oh my God, he's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it because he's got a daughter. And But it, what it came down to from my understanding, I don't know all the facts, but from my understanding, it was points. He had made so much money, more money off of Batman off of points than he did off of his salary. So he was like, I want points. And Disney was just like, I don't, you know, we're not, we're not giving points. Um, but we that, don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe that's probably where a lot of uh, Robin Williams bumping heads with them because he's, you know, these are actors in their prime well, now. He, not-
0: he, the main, the main issue was he had a, a- uh, another movie competing with aladdin at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: toys which did not do well um and was not very well received yeah. um, and he's part of his agreement with disney to do the the voice work in the movie was that they wouldn't put him front and center and put him in all the marketing and all the merchandise yeah. and stuff and they went and, behind his back and did it yeah so that's why he wasn't in the tv series or return of jafar they got him back basically saying the same thing for uh saying they wouldn't do it again for uh, King of Thieves. But then hmm. on the cover of King of Thieves, it says the return of Robin Williams. So they did it again. <laughs> yeah. So from oh, then, man. From then on, he only agreed to do educational stuff for Disney.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had never heard all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So have you uh, been able to see a cut of Kingdom in the Sun? Because I know you're, um, you're major, major Emperor's New Groove fans. Uh, I've only seen the scenes
0: that are online and in the sweat box because I've seen oh, the sweat okay. box. The sweat box. Yeah, that thing. I
2: still great. need to see the sweat box because on, I just haven't gotten around. It's currently
0: on the internet archive. So. Yeah, I have it saved it's I think, in my tab somewhere. I think uh, at this point, if I were Disney, I would have just given up because people are going to keep uploading <laughs> anyway. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And everyone knows, like, it's like trying to, like, keep this thing a secret that everyone already knows. It's the secret lab, basically. (laughs) Everyone knows about it already.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, it's funny um, when you love a movie and that there's, like, two versions of it. You know, I love Superman. I'm a big Superman fan. And I grew up with those Christopher Reeve movies. And you always knew that they filmed those first two back to back as one big movie. But then they fired the director when the first one was completed. And he had almost, from what I read, like 75% of the second one shot. But then because of Union Directors Guild rules, the new director had to have more than 50% shot to get his screen credit. So they had to throw away a lot of Richard Donner footage. And I knew about this for decades. you know. And then they finally released it all like in 2006, I think, because of, of Superman Returns. Yeah. But you knew it was out there. It was kind of legendary. You'd see a still. Or if you collected the little baseball cards, sometimes they had a still and you knew it it existed. Yeah. So it's funny when you love a movie so much and to have like there's two different versions. um, I imagine that um, Kingdom of the Sun must be pretty intriguing to you. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. 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 But boy, Kronk, you know, was not in that version. Yeah, that is, that is Kronk true. Kronk is yeah. great. <laughs> um, that's, Eartha, that's, Eartha Kitt and was. it was the
0: lesser for it. What, what, what One yeah. of my things is the trade off is you give up that Eartha Kitt song, but you get Kronk. And also you get if, if you want to watch Kronk's New group in the Emperor's New School, she has songs in those. And you can yeah, listen to the, the song she did have that was cut still on the soundtrack. So it's not completely gone. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> Dale Bear's animation on on Yzma is fantastic. Yeah, unfortunately
0: yeah. never got to interview him. <laughs> oh, let me nah. tell
1: you. I got I just told a story about him this week and I want to share it cuz he's passed on and he's yep. one of these sweetest guys you could one could ever meet and humble. And for for those listening that don't really know much about Dale, you know, he animated for Disney for many many years, started his own studio, Bear Animation. I think he went through a separation or divorce and and you know, financially had to come back to the studio. So he had all this history going through him and then he was just beloved. Everyone loved him. And so now I'm at the studio for a few years. Now I'm animating and I'd always loved Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Love that movie. I took a date Brilliant. to see it. And when I, w- I was old enough at that time where I'm like, I knew I wanted to be an animator. Oh my God, I have to be there now. Look at what they're doing. This is so cool. And so now I'm animating for a few years and I thought, I want to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit now that I've been doing it. Does he- is the animation as good as I remember? Better. Like the more you know about animation, the better the animation is in that. And so I'm watching that and I'm just astounded by how good it is. I was not at that level yet. And that scene with Mickey and and Bugs, come on, iconic scene, right? I'm watching it and it's animated, gorgeous. And I was thinking, well, they must've put two superstars on the, this is a big scene, these two stars together. They had to put top animators. So I went to work the next day, determined who's, I'm gonna find out who animated these shots. And so I thought, well, if people would go, oh, I don't know, Maybe Mark Hen might have done it. He was young at the time. I Mark goes, no, I don't know. It might have been Andreas Deja. He's kind of a Mickey Mark guy. Mark the famous animator from Full House.
0: For those who don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It. I said Mark Hand is famously known as animator in Full House. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. He was in an so, episode of Full House where they went to Disney And, you know, they went back when MGM Studios was still had an animation studio there. And he was one of the animators there. But in the credits, it said Mark Hinn
1: as animator. Oh, that's funny. Another sweetheart of a guy and super talent. But yeah, yeah, Mark. So that wasn't the answer. They said maybe Andreas Deja. I went to Andreas. He's like, it's not me. But I think Dave Spafford might have animated Bugs. And then so um, Dale being one of the older animators, I went to Dale and I was winding up to ask the question by going, Boy, that scene of Bugs and, and Mickey is really incredible. I'm about to ask, do you know who animated? And, and Dale just very humbly went, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, so Dale did the, he did Mickey Mouse. And then he gives me the antidote of, yeah, so I'm animating Mickey and Dave Spafford's animating Bugs. And I was telling him, this whole movie's got to be on Ones. We talked about that earlier in this yeah. interview, what Ones means. Yeah. You yep. can't do it on twos. It's got to be on ones because it matches the live action. live action. But Dave was like, no, in this shot, he's not interacting with any. I'm going to do it on twos. Dale thought ahead and animated his on ones. And then as they turned in the scenes, okay, scene lo- looks good, but it needs to be on ones. Stafford had added all these drawings that Dale yeah. was already prepared and knew it mm. to do. Yeah. Um, And Dale, gosh, his studio would help out. When he had his own studio, I guess they would take sequence. Disney, on when the Renaissance was coming back up, they weren't fully staffed to do two movies yet. That's you know why that I got hired. And kids yeah. like me, they would have to subcontract sequences out. And Dale's studio would take some from Lion King. You know, did a couple sequences in Lion King, and then it stuck in my head. I wasn't even at the studio yet. There was of all things, Pampers commercials, baby diapers. But it was little kids like Roger Rabbit style live action interacting with baby versions of Pluto and and Mickey Mouse and Minnie. Gorgeously animated. And I remember a kid snuggling up and holding Pluto and Pluto was like licking them on I the face like, or something. I
0: feel like I've heard of that before. Maybe it's on YouTube or something. I don't know. You know what? Probably I, after yeah. we're
1: done, I'm gonna look for it because it was just gorgeous. And then I found out that was at, at that was that Dale's studio too. That was probably Dale that, that animated mm. that. I got to interview um
0: for April Fool's Day. I like to do something that's not Emperor's New Group, but it's tangentially related and in mm. the 2003 dvd of roger rabbit on the menu Cusco appears at one point so for the roger rabbit and i was just going to do a normal review of it but then i decided i should get a special guest so i got gary k wolf and interviewed him all right Uh, but it was like being on the you know on i think on the set at the time because i think they brought him on the set to do the movie yeah yeah um, and working with all the people
1: so love that movie yeah Well, so then you got Dale's animation and then the voice. Come on. Why did they not get Eartha Kitt to do like a million voices? What a voice for Mm. animation, huh? That unique sound. What a great character, huh? I
0: I do think that there must have been some talk both behind the scenes of Kronk's New Groove and the Ambers New School about trying to compensate for her not singing in Groove. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like, we need to get Eartha Kitt to sing at some I know point. That her, <laughs> yeah, her,
0: her main song in the TV show was r- written by Randy Rogel, who did a lot. I think that's his name. Did a lot of songs for Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs.
1: Okay, Oh, nice. Yeah, but wow, rounding out a great cast, right? Because David Spade's so funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. Patrick, Patrick Warburton, Warburton. <laughs> hilarious. Come on, I, would... I think my favorite yeah. joke is him, right? With the yeah. crock, the drinks. Oh yeah, the drinks. Right. 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 <laughs> like the
0: poison. The poison for Keusco. I, I still <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I would good. like to
0: interview him at some point, but I know first of all, right now is probably not a good time because there's an actual strike going on with actors. Mm, but sure, it, sure, sure. Also, yeah. uh, he's very busy, so it's difficult to get a hold of him because I do know him. Like he fo- mm, okay. we, we follow each other on Wait. Twitter and everything. So yeah, and oh, I actually did yeah, really <laughs> wonderful. briefly get cool. to meet him at a con and
1: fist bump him. So that was cool yeah <laughs> fantastic he did it's come... great. I mean, when I grew up I'm oh, sorry go ahead oh I was just gonna say growing up we like we mentioned Bugs Bunny I think I, I was probably drawn more to Bugs Bunny than Disney I, you, Disney had lush beautiful new move, movement as a kid maybe the movies even seemed a little slowly paced and long for me Bugs yeah. Bunny was nice and short and, and mm. super funny it was hard for you know the Disney humor was not edgy humor yeah. it, it was very safe humor Bugs could be yeah. a little um, I think, edgy. I also think the earlier you go
0: back into the Disney movies, the more slow pace they feel. Like the yeah. very yes. very beginning, I don't think they quite knew how to do a feature. Like Snow White's a great movie. It set the you know it set the stage for feature and feature two D animation. But when I watch it, it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a series of shorts, sort of tangentially connected to
1: this overlapping. That's a lot it. of Disney movies yeah. feel that way for me. Yeah, this is like, oh, we're just doing business here. We're not moving yeah. the plot. It's just business. Alice in Wonderland Wonder is a perfect group, example.
0: However, uh, is the pace a character does something that leads to the next thing that happens in the story and so on. Yeah. And it's the pacing all is great. Flowing uh, perfectly. So I like it. And that. funny, a and lot of edgy. people say it's a movie that mm. doesn't focus that much on the plot, but I think, no, I think the plot's just super simple, but the story yeah. structure is so tightly knit that it's like one of it's a master class in how to do a story basically every character has to drive something in the plot or the theme and connect back to the story
1: and then having a cynical character is funny you know like one of my favorite bugs bunny shorts is eight ball bunny because through the short bugs gets saddled with a little penguin that he promised to take him to the south pole (laughs) <laughs> and then realizes what he got into. And Bugs is grumpy and annoyed the whole time, and he can get batted eyes. And when they go through the Panama Canal, twenty-five like, cents to go through this thing? Eh, we'll walk first. Like I love that he can get annoyed, and that's so human. And Disney character doesn't really go that way most most of the time. But like letting David Spade be a cynical, funny character. Eartha Kitt is cynical and funny. It's funny mm. in an edgier way than than most Disney fare. Yeah, it's and with Eartha Kit, like I think the villains in general get
0: to be more cynical and edgy than the heroes do. And I think Emperor's New Groove is a movie where everyone, pretty much everyone, gets to have their moment. And you know, <laughs> yeah. the main character, you know, Cusco practically starts the film basically the, about the same as Isma. So he's basically <laughs> a movie yeah. that starts off with a villain protagonist that has to learn
1: to not be such a jerk. Yeah. um it, it all sets up for a very, really nice emotional payoff at the end doesn't yeah. it absolutely,
0: yeah absolutely yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's great stuff and it kind of like maybe what we were saying about you know like they finally movies and animation finally figured out just let Robin Williams be Robin do his thing yeah. I think it was just let David Spade be David Spade you know that like yeah. that's the jerky guy that he is on Saturday Night <laughs> Live and let him do yeah. it it's, it's funny yeah yeah. yeah. Oh. And so with this obsession you have, yeah. with Emperor's New Groove, it sounds like it, it, it extends to the sequels too. Yeah, yeah, especially the TV series and the T. All right. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I let you down not no, knowing okay. my favorite one. Is there your favorite episode? Um, I don't know. There were fifty-two of them, so
0: it's yeah. kind of.
2: Are to narrow them down i do yes. remember there was one episode i think where i think cronk was like a hall monitor or something for the school yeah. and he ended up firing the animators at one point and i'm just like <laughs> what happened to the backgrounds <laughs> oh yeah we fired the animators so we have no color oh that's <laughs> like funny yeah that's i forgot great. the name of the episode but it's like well I my favorite my character in so the well. tv
0: show just because i kind of had a crush on her uh, especially as a teenager uh, mm-hmm. was Melina, who's not in the movie. So that's why I'm right. a big fan of the TV series.
1: Yeah, Naturally. yeah, I do remember drawing Melina. Yeah, that was a fun character. Yeah, And yeah, that breaking the fourth wall is great, isn't it? And that's kind of what makes Bugs Bunny so funny. He can talk to yeah. camera. and It's kind of the uh, taking a page of Buster Keaton. And I don't know, from your listeners, Buster Keaton from the silent era, when they're still Mm -hmm. kind of figuring out motion pictures would be experimental and do the funniest things. Like if he's getting chased by police officers and he just runs barely off camera, the police officers come into camera and they they don't know where he is. They can't Mm -hmm. see him because the audience can't see him. And then when they move on, he can come back in and all that stuff is so funny. And then they were picking up on that with Bugs Bunny. And then, you know, Bob Hope would do that in his movies, talk to, uh, talk to Cameron. I eat that stuff up. I love it. I love it even when Superman in the Fleischer cartoons, Superman saves the day. But in, in the little recap at the end, Lois Lane has to dress down Clark Kent and go, well, good thing there's a Superman around here, Clark. Because if it was guys like you, Metropolis would be a mess. And then Superman going... Good thing there is a Superman, Lois. And then, you know, we can get the camera. I just love Wink, that wink, stuff. nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're uh, in friend, on the secret. My friend Dave
0: Dave does a lot of riffs on those uh old yeah. Fleischer cartoons that he he does oftentimes he'll have streams where he and other YouTubers will come up with jokes, including sometimes I've contributed to where he riffs on uh the Fleischer cartoons, because they're public domain, so they're easy to um
1: get to do no songs. content id wor- uh worries so yeah wow wow i didn't realize that wow it does make sense every little small video store was putting those out for you know because yeah. they could i guess
0: i remember i think my dad has or had like a superman collection that had like all the movies through superman returns but it also had those on it i think that's right <laughs> I, got I think that i had collection. a dvd that a couple dvds that were just public domain cartoons because they're easy to put out and sell. Yeah, and that yeah. included some of those. Wow, I think interesting. Some of the Mighty Mouse ones
1: were public domain, which I'm, seems yeah. wrong, it seems like it can't be right to me. But that's weird. And you know, maybe maybe this is why those Fleischer Supermans were in public domain. For me as a kid here in Los Angeles, another thing that fueled my love for animation. We had the greatest three hours on Sunday mornings, hosted by Tom Hatton, who was a character actor would show um, Fleischer Popeye cartoons. And then a weird mix of sometimes there'd be Tennessee Tuxedo, Tom Slick, and Georgia the Jungles were were mixed in. Jay Ward Ward cartoons. Yeah, it was mainly the Fleischer Popeyes. And then in in between cartoons, you'd get Tom Hatton was on a little set that looked like he was at a bay, and he would draw. And you could even send in a, a scribble, and if Tom Hatton picked your scribble, he would put put it on his drawing board and turn it into a drawing. It was just the greatest show. I loved it. But through all that time, they did not show the Superman cartoons. I didn't know they existed. My whole childhood, I didn't know. I think they were kind of just forgotten. And maybe that's why they fell into public domain. Nobody was protecting the rights. And for me, I was, I think I was 20. I was like 20 years old going to uh, um, animation um, festivals, like Spike and Mike Twisted Festival of Animation and... um, I would go and then I they show the program and the first one was Superman and I already loved Superman. I'm like what is this? And they show the Bulleteers, the very first one and my eyes popped out of my head like a Tex Avery and they're yeah. so gorgeous. Oh my god, where where have these things been my whole life? I think for a lot of people my generation we didn't even know about them. And yeah. then I, I I went to the comic book conventions looking for a bootleg to get them. I'm like, oh, how many did they make? Oh, they made 15. They made 17. The, oh, it was, some of them are famous studios. Some of them are Fleischer. Um, those things are awesome, but they were hidden for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of the most beautiful animated shorts ever made. I And you probably heard the history, too. They're made on a, a budget that's like three times what a Popeye cost. Because... yeah. I would imagine Um, so having seen them.
0: Yeah. (laughs) From what I
1: read and you know, who knows from what you read, but I read Superman was so brand new, although the comics, you know, uh, blew up. Yeah. um, Paramount wanted those cartoons to go in front of Paramount movies had to, the Paramount didn't have their animation studio. They had to contract somebody. So when Mm -hmm. they contracted the Fleischers, the Fleischers are like this guy in a tights and a cape. What? What? We have our own Popeyes that we would rather do, but they didn't want to outright turn it down. So they just said, "Well, these are kind of cost prohibitive. They they'd be very expensive. They they'd be probably like three times the amount of, of a Popeye." And to their astonishment, Paramount agreed. So those things are made on huge budgets, and and that's the thing about really good work. Like we we're saying, it'll find an audience. Yeah, mm. really good work, and and that's one thing that's wonderful about this art form of traditional animation if it's done really really high it doesn't age like cg mm. will age because texture lighting yeah. will yes adapt but 2d animation pinocchio is 80 years old and still you cannot animate 2d better than pinocchio like yeah. it's just it cannot yeah. be beaten 80 years later and those fleischers yeah all these years later you can't really do it better than that it's just they're done so well
2: yeah. Compared to like if you go back to like Toy Story today, like, yeah, uh, was Disney was putting out a bunch of like their films, like, as even we Frozen, the
0: first Frozen, like, I watched it. I think I watched it all the way back in like it, shortly before around the time the uh, sequel was coming out, and it looked like a video mm. game.
1: Yeah. It's already aged. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And like,
2: what is it? Because Disney was putting out a bunch of their films for like the 100th anniversary, like for re-releases, which I think is what they should be doing instead of the live action remakes personally. But yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. Watching Toy Story on the big screen again, it's like, I mean, yeah, it was 95, but like, Jesus, compared to like how a Toy Story 4
1: looks, it's yeah. like night and day practically. Especially the humans, right? And the yeah. dog. Yeah. The, the All the kids are just... Way.
2: All of the kids are just clones of Andy. Yeah, I, like,
0: I never what, noticed that as a kid. Yeah, they are. Yeah. What holds up best about the Toy Story movies definitely is
1: more the writing than the Absolutely, animation. yeah. Yeah. What a what a great story. I mean, it was heartbreaking. I told you when we saw it, we knew our days were yeah. numbered, but you 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 got to know that it's it had to be a deliberate idea. We're making our first movie with new technology. What is our movie going to be about? Oh, it'll be about the new high-tech toy that hmm. Is eclipsing the old favorite, and also it's because
0: because our CGI looks still looks plastic, so we need to have as much of
1: the characters be plastic as possible, which is smart too. Yeah, yeah. their whole first run of like their first five or six movies were just like, uh, let's uh, kid, what do kids like? They like cars, they like bugs, they like toys. Like they pick the perfect <laughs> and the monsters extreme, and monsters set. They really set themselves up for success with those concepts, yeah, and, the, and they kept up
0: until I think the. The Incredibles was their first one that really was entirely focusing on humans. I think yeah. each one and progressively stylized. each one progressively I think had more humans in it building up to that. Like yeah. Toy Story uh Bug, Bugs Life didn't have any humans in it. They exist, they were implied to right. exist, but you didn't see them. But by Toy Story yeah. 2, you had Al um and then uh Monsters Inc you had Boo. Then Finding Emo comes out, there's a couple characters in that who hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, what really perfect. struck me about Incredibles is they like, they stylized them like two D yeah. designs, where yeah. the competition, hmm. uh, DreamWorks, was making trying to make them look too realistic. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. no, you're blowing it there. And then when when finally when the Incredibles like said, no, they we're, we're going to design them like two D designs, then everybody started started following. Yeah, that that yeah. line of thought.
0: Yeah, when you go back and watch Shrek, the human characters do look very uncanny.
1: They do. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's weird looking
2: at Fiona in that first film. Yeah, it's like she's so hyper realistic. He looks so it, like, much better 2000s, as an thousands like you know, yeah. CGI, of course.
0: She looks but, like, so much ugh. better when she turns into the ogre than she did as a human,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever want to see a well, okay? So now you mentioned the Disney live action remakes. Mm-hmm. We were all worried with when this new technology came out. All the rumors in the hallways were like, Michael Eisner, who was running the company at the time, yep. mm-hmm. he's going to remake all of the Disney classics as CG. That's what we thought was going to happen. <laughs> we weren't even thinking live action. We thought, oh, they're going to do Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but it's going to be done in CG now. Yeah. Would you even have any interest in a Cusco Um CG Only if rendered? it was
0: the one I came up with, which was more of a Roger Rabbit type thing than an actual... Re- mm. <laughs>
1: yeah i bet
0: and then and then rescue rangers came out and was vaguely similar and i was like oh man if if i ever worked at disney and came up with this idea would it would people criticize it for being too similar to rescue rangers except probably better
1: (laughs) yeah that's tough though right because ideas are yeah i mean how many some people think how many stories are there there's only some people say there's only like 10 or so yeah I guess it's how you execute it but, but it's like but that's that will kill but sometimes maybe that's a, a, an encouragement that you 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 were onto something. Yeah. Um okay. I've been animating my own guy Carman, the Road Rage anti-hero, and I've been doing it for years. I started it I think back in 2002. And the first logo that I made for Carman was that Magneto font cuz it looked like old car font. Yeah. And then cars comes out and they use the font. I'm like, ah, yeah. But, but maybe it shows that you're onto something. You know, yeah. your your line of thinking was good. Yeah. I also go was going to give Carman a sidekick. I was going to make this kid that was going to be a wannabe Robin go, Hey, I want to follow you on your adventures. And Carman was going to be like, I, look, kid, I'm a road rage anti-hero. I'm not a superhero. And then when I saw the trailer for Incredibles, and you know, an Incredible Boy was wanting to be his ward, yeah. I'm like, oh, I felt I felt nauseous. I felt like I got punched in the stomach yeah yeah but i guess it's just, just reassuring that hey you're of thinking you're onto something you know yeah and it's great going. minds think alike Ex- execution
0: yeah. always also is what makes the real difference that's right um, but yeah like the idea i came up with was well the movies about i'm gonna spoil it because i don't think i'm gonna end up making it any <laughs> i'm making a fan film but it's not gonna be a hybrid because that's way too out of my league for right. a fan film um Fair. but the plot is Disney's remaking the Emperor's New Groove and Cusco wants to supervise it. The animated Cusco. So oh, I would in love the that. Real world. And <laughs> that then is funny. the twist at the end is that it turns out that the CEO or whoever's in charge of the remakes. Cause I know the CEO is actually in charge of the remakes. Uh, was actually Izma in a Judge Doom like disguise the whole time? Nice. And, she, <laughs> and this, and every single remake up to this point, obviously we know the real reason they do remakes is for money. But in this universe, every <laughs> remake up to this point was part of eventually leading to the Emperor's New Groove remake, where she would rewrite the ending where she wins.
1: Oh, that is that's uh, that's, great that's a clever way of doing it. That's yeah. a fantastic idea. I wish they would do it.
2: Pitch that ah. to Disney. I'm sure they'll buy it. Um, well, you know they, <laughs> they love meta commentary <laughs>
1: submissions, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the idea.
0: All right. Uh, do you have any more questions, Kieran? Um,
2: I think out of the like the main ones I had listed, uh, that's pretty much everything. I just want to be able to gush about animation. Oh, go ahead. Because like it's like just like as someone who's like grown up with like obviously the Disneys and the Pixars and the Dreamworks, like, you know, it's just I feel like this medium has like so much like i I don't even know how to describe it i'm like uh but just like there's so much you can do with it like that can't be done in live action yeah like you can put the camera anywhere you want you can like have like these beyond what like we conceive as reality in terms of like characters um and like i think one of the like best things uh when it comes to like animators is being able to act through your animation like um especially like you know the work on like tantor uh not not tantor sorry uh, sure. i'm getting mixed up with characters uh kerchak and uh tarzan like there's little subtleties to like you know how his facial animation works like i i cite like the uh scene when they've just after taken out sabor and tarzan's looking for that validation that he's been searching for his entire life and you can just see like the conflict in his face him like looking down constantly like ah i don't want to admit that like he's did a good job but like he did just save the family
1: guy that's a tv trope yeah Uh, you Um, know and another thing that's terrific like you said this art form in tarzan we they they all gave us zoo passes there's a zoo that's pretty close to the studio so Mm -hmm. they gave us passes and they said hey while the story is being worked on go to the zoo study them draw them get them figured out and one of the things that movie
0: is about basically
1: (laughs) yeah and and then what's fun about animation now is that we found out with the great weight that they have on them that they don't have tendons the same way we do their fingers, it they'll bend all the way, like they'll bend almost. Um, what do you wow. call it when, so, when it bends contrary to the uh, hyper A double they, they double
2: jointed or yeah yeah yeah,
1: that's just how big they are and how they how they work. But humans don't have that. But we're animators, yeah. so when you watch Tarzan, Tarzan's fingers move like apes' fingers because we, yeah. we can do it in animation. That wouldn't work in the live action version. Yeah, yeah but fun that's fact, part of the fun. About Kerchak, uh, Nick
0: Ranieri was offered to animate him. It was between Kerchak, Doppler, and Cusco, and I think it was Peter Schneider who suggested he do Cusco because he's the star. And of course, he didn't want to do Kerchak because Nick Ranieri m- prefers to do more silly characters. Yeah. So, mm, um, yeah. And Doppler wasn't Peter. Sh- Peter Schneider basically said, Doppler's not really that big a part. Cusco's a star. You should take him. So that's how Nick Ranieri ended up being supervising animator on Cusco. Wow. And he killed
1: it. It's a, it's awesome. It's such good work. And original, like edgy acting. There's a scene that he did, like, I, to be critical of Disney. We're, it, we're all such in this rich tradition. We love hmm. it. It yeah. can get a little bit um, uh formulaic the the snake yeah the snake eating its own tail we everyone's looking at what disney did for acting choices oh what did milk call do or what all the traditional um the disney heroes but Hmm. i saw nick did acting choices that were outside of that box and one of my favorite ones i think he threw a rock or something and it hit Cusco in the head and he did one of those Mm -hmm. yeah he, he throws
0: he throws the rock the rock at potter that for some reason on disney plus they turn into an acorn Oh you censored really? that? Yeah. Wow. And and I didn't it, it. know that. It, someone's throwing stuff. You're gonna build Yeah, fire that fire.
1: and that expression he did was very like out of the box Disney. It was very um original and edgy. You know, like mm. Nick's terrific animator and, and what a great match for him. Yep. And I also it was him
0: and Tony Bancroft are I watched Once Upon a Studio with both of them over Zoom uh for the last episode of this podcast. Okay.
1: So that was really neat
0: because I had never actually watched something with an animator who worked on it. That was really cool.
1: Surreal, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was
0: Nick's first time seeing the full thing, too.
1: Okay. All right. Mm. Had they asked him, did he draw the Hades in there?
0: He drew Hades and he did Cusco and Miko. Oh, I think he probably did. I think he might have done Oswald because Oswald bumps into Cusco.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, and then well, they have the excellent.
0: archival "no touchy" that that they lifted from the movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: great. And he said in the interview, he said he or the review that was all, but we were talking about making it too. He said huh. that he had to figure out how to do the "no touchy" thing with the llama Cusco because in the movie, when he says that line, he's a human, but in this, he's a llama.
1: Right, and, you know, and he hopes, does this. Yeah. With,
0: with his hands, but he's alive, right. so he has to do it with his hooves and it has to look different.
1: Yeah. That is a challenge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's fun to know. These are the things that animators
2: have to think about. Like, you know, when you're on set, like shooting a film, like the actors just kind of like do the things, but like, it's no, like the animators have to work out, like, you know, how does this character move? How would they like gesture in certain ways? And that's like part of the artistry that I love about it. It's like trying to like, showcase the personality of that character through their movement, as opposed to like, you know, just getting an actor and just like having the director be like, do this, do that. It's like, it's
1: very like,
2: it's much different. Yeah. Studying,
1: studying the movements half the fun. Yeah. Figuring mm -hmm. it out and learning it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Especially when they try and incorporate the actors mannerisms, like in the recording booth into their actual like animated performances and all
1: that. Yeah. I love that. Um, Gosh, working on Milo Thatch from Atlantis, I got to be on that character, and I am a
0: huge
1: Back to the Future fan. So, yeah. um, And then they would show us footage of Michael J. Fox as he was recording, and you know he's so he's so animated and and so expressive. Um, His acting is big. Like that's one of the reasons why Back to the Future is so fun. The performance, Doc, Doc, what are we gonna do? It's it's like really big and amped, and so it's he's just built for animation. Yeah. Yeah yeah
0: all right well uh we're going to plug things
1: uh do you want to plug anything first, Rob? yeah I mean gosh like we said we gotta do our stuff in the in our garages and, and the next cool thing and and corporate stuff is cool and I love the support and and the exposure but with it comes compromise sometimes not getting your way sometimes arguing and it's important to have stuff that reminds us why we love this art form um so I'm you know continuing on my own time unfortunately i fell in love with a, an art form that takes forever to produce mm-hmm. but i'm animating car man the road rage anti-hero when i can it's a little edgier than like a disney thing it's a guy that can get angry in his car and i'm teaming up with a partner from england named des taylor and we're making a comic book uh eva Strongbird and in the marine and to me i said i told des i'm an animator i'm a filmmaker the comic book this is the decision I made as a kid when I saw Superman comics, and I liked them. But no, it needs to be animation. I've recorded voices for Eva Strongbird in the Marine, and I'm starting to build an animatic. And I'm, I'm when we're done here, I'm going to start animating. I'm I'm in the middle of animating a shot for it. Oh, so nice. I hope to Ooh. put these things out, inspire other artists, connect with me, hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. My favorite thing about all these things is connecting with other artists. Through this, I've gotten people that, you know, I, I've met composers to do music on these things. We should all work together and and make the cool stuff that is maybe edgier and different from what, what the corporate is giving us. Um, so, yeah, please look me up and, and please do what you can to support and, and connect. And yeah. thanks for having me on, you guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. This stuff's fun to talk about. Yeah.
2: Oh, dude, it was an absolute pleasure to be here. part on. of this Do as well. you have
1: anything to plug? Uh,
2: well, I've got a YouTube channel, uh, That Irish Geek. Uh, not really much on there currently. I do plan on talking about some video games, some movies, some TV shows, some animation, of course. Um, right now, I guess the main thing I would plug from there is uh, my documentary short film, House of Pixels, which is about some of the history that Ireland has with the video games industry and these two brothers who were trying to make a view uh, a museum for it um other than that i've also made appearances on the geekly youtube channel that's uh g um where i was a part of a little like podcast sort of retrospective series called the road to tmnt mutant mayhem where we just talked about every ninja turtles movie um <laughs> in the lead up to mutant mayhem and uh <laughs> We also do live streams on there occasionally, and uh, I will also be a part of his upcoming fan project, uh, which is a fan-animated Ninja Turtles series, The TMNT, where I'm going to be voicing Casey Jones,
0: uh, the guy in the oh. hockey
1: desk. So right. that's going to be a ton
0: of fun. I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Yeah. I love it. I have lots of stuff that I could plug, but most of that is pre-recorded, but I'm going to use the time to plug what I'm working on now, which is an Emperor's New Groove fan film that basically could be described as part sequel to the emperor's new groove part unofficial lost pilot for the emperor's new school and part john hughes movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice that's great that um, sounds that wonderful called the
0: emperor's new school the movie it's a fan film i don't know when it will be done because these things take time but it's i'm incredible. working on it now
1: i so, love it yeah well let's all keep in touch i'll keep tabs on you guys and see how it progresses what's his name